Good morning, church. Gary, I like that jingle. I'm going to steal that. We can't do what we do without you. It's the truth. Now I just added a line, so I'm a co-writer. Okay, that's how you get royalties. That's how you make money. Well, hey, church. It's good to be in the house of God this morning. We are two weeks, about two weeks away from Christmas, which, which means we are right in the middle of the giving season, the, the shopping season. I don't know about you, but I have absolutely done zero shopping. Anyone else? Zero shopping? All right. Zero shopping, even for my kids who are not in this room, thank God. And that's because I was always taught that Santa gives gifts to kids who are nice. So they have two weeks to be nice because for the first 49 weeks or so, whatever the case may be, they, they you know, not, not so nice. I did get a really great early Christmas gift last week. I brought my car to the dealer to get an oil change and tire rotation, and a friend of mine, um, he works there, so he kind of, he gave me a loaner car, which was a super, super sweet car. It was like an over $50,000 car. It was really, really fast, and he told me, hey, you just, you got to push it. The car can handle it. So I, I got in the car, and I'm on North Avenue, and I, just, I slam on the gas, and I made sure that I was going the speed limit, because there's cops in the, in the crowd right now. Billy's over there taking notes. I'm sorry, what did you say? Anything you say can and will. Right, so I made sure to go to the speed limit, but it was it was probably my favorite gift of the year so far. Probably going to be my favorite gift because I, I I just don't get to drive really fancy cars like that at all. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised because when I was growing up, they they always taught us don't talk about money, right? They always taught they always taught us don't. Don't talk about how much you make. Don't ask for money, especially, you know, my mom would always get mad if we just went up to people and random strangers and asked for money. But then I see on social media, everyone nowadays, when it's their birthday, when it's the holidays, they just put up, I don't, if you guys don't know, this cash app, which has been around for about 10 years. I just found out about it in the last week or so. But people just put up their cash app handle on their social media. Here's mine. Here's mine. Listen, listen, I, I just... I just figured, I just figured that if it's gonna work for people, I mean, it's it's worth a shot, right? Uh, that's not actually. I don't actually have Cash App, so please. I mean, if you want to send money to that person, God, the Holy Spirit's leading you to leading you to do that. By all means, go for that. Here's the thing, Church. We are always in the season of giving when it comes to our worship. We are always in the season of giving when it comes to our worship. And worship, if I could just break it down very, very simply, is our adoration. It's our devotion. It's giving our attention. When we're here on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, on a Thursday night, it's never, if you're, if you're, I never ask the question anymore, why isn't someone worshiping? Rather, I say, what are they worshiping? Because when you're here, you're either giving your attention to God or you're not. And if you're not giving it to God, you're giving it to something else or someone else. But the reality is that we are always in the season of giving. And just to be clear, worship is all-encompassing. Worship is in everything that we do, our lives, the way that we treat each other, the way that we treat our husbands and, and our wives and our kids, the way that we do in, the, the way that we prepare ourselves for school or, or at work. That's all worship. All of that brings glory to God. But for today, I want to talk about our corporate worship, which is what we do here on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I want to talk about this because you may come in here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday and you see people lifting up their hands and you see people singing and you see people on stage, you see the band and you just do it just because they're doing it. Or maybe you don't do it because you don't understand why. Or maybe you've been in church for a really long time and you forgot why and you forgot how we worship 
And so for this, there's so many passages that I could have gone through because worship, we, Pastor Jordan, we even, we even talked about doing a, a month-long series on worship, but I'm going to try to break down as much as I can, condense it into the next 20, 25 minutes or so, and then we'll have communion, and then we'll have a time to actually worship once more. So we're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 15, and just for some context here, this is the story of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. In Exodus, God instructs Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark represented God's presence to the people of Israel. You'll see this on your screen. This is not the actual Ark, but this is something like a digital render of what the Ark looked like. The Ark was captured, just a brief timeline, the Ark was captured by the Philistines in battle. It was moved from place to place and eventually found its place or its home in the house of Obed-Edom. And this is where David goes to bring it back to Jerusalem. So we're going to start in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 27 and 28 in the NIV. It says, Now David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and as were the musicians, and Kenaniah, who was in charge of the singing of the choirs. David also wore a linen ephod. Verse 28, So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts with the sounding of rams, with horns and trumpets, and of cymbals, and the playing of lyres and harps. And so we see this picture of music and, and worship and shouting and celebrating because the presence of the Lord is being brought back, because the ark of the Lord is being brought back to Jerusalem. And this is the how we worship. When, when, when you look and you see, well, why are, they, why are they lifting up their hands? It's because this is how God wants to be worshiped. And as a worship pastor, I want you to hear my heart. It would be so much easier if we didn't have to do all that. If we could just sing and you can just sit and not have to physically engage in worship, it would be so much easier, I think, if we're being honest, for myself and for the band. But Jesus, but God requires that we worship him in this way. And just some other verses that I'll run through quickly, just so you can see that this is not a one-time thing. This is not just uh, relegated, or it's not just in First Chronicles, but in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20, it says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 47, 1, clap your hands, all you nations. Some of, you, some of us, we don't, we don't know how to clap on, on beat. That's okay. We'll learn. We'll, we'll, we'll do it together, guys. We'll do it together. I promise. I promise. Shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 150, verse 3. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. If you're mad that the drums are too loud, it's biblical. It's, it's in the Bible. I don't know what to tell you. It's there. We can't, can't just take it out. 1 Timothy 2, 8. Therefore, I want men, this is Paul talking to Timothy, therefore, I want the men everywhere, stop right there, therefore, I want the men, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Now, this doesn't mean that Paul's not also talking to the women. In fact, in, in verse 9, he does address the women in modesty. That's a different message for another day. I'll leave that to Pastor Ariel if you're in the room. You can take that one. But the fact that in one verse he talks about the men, and then in the next verse he talks about the women, means that he's emphasizing men. Yeah. 
And here's the problem. One of the problems with our worship today in the church today, in most churches, is that the men have abandoned their role as worship leaders. And I don't mean on stage. I mean where you're at. As a man of God, if you believe in Jesus, as a man, you are required, you are instructed, you have been commanded to lead the people around you, in your circle, in your row, in your household. You are commanded to lead in worship, to lead in the lifting of your hands. The reason why I wanted to focus on the story of David is because he's a man. And there's something within us that says, well, if I, if I, if I raise my hands, I'm, I, I think I'm kind of ladylike. And the reason why you see ladies more engaged in worship is not because it was meant for just the ladies to do it, it's because the men have abandoned it. And I don't know too many people in the Bible that was more of a man's man than David. If you killed the bear, if you killed the lion, we were talking, we were singing earlier about giants being slain. If you slayed a giant, then you can say, okay, I'm more of a man than David, but I don't think you have. Okay? I, I, I put a, a nail up and I hang an ornament or I hang, you know, an elf on the shelf and I feel like, whew, I did it. Whew, I'm a man. I set it up. I'm good. David was a man, but he was a man after God's own heart. And he realized that God was worthy. In, in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel also talks about this passage or this story. In 2 Samuel, it says that David danced with all his might. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that you got to come and do, you know, you know, I, I don't know, Zumba or you, you got to come and like salsa, if that's your thing. I'm not saying that dancing, you just, you just got to move around. And some of you guys are say, well, you know, dancing's not my thing. I don't know how to dance until you hear two hops this time. Two hops this time, right? All of a sudden, okay, now you know how to dance. Okay, okay. You just won't, you just won't do it for the Lord. Everybody clap your hands. Okay, see? Now I know you how to clap. Now I know that you know how to clap. So make sure you clap. These are requirements, not recommendations. God requires, but here's the thing also. God desires it. God desires your worship. When you're expressive in worship, when, when you lift your hands, when you sing, when you clap, when you shout, when you be still, and we'll talk about that later, God desires that. And what I've learned in my life with, with my kids and, and with my wife and with my mom is, is that when, when we learn how to love someone the way they want to be loved, oh man, it's next level. It transforms you. It transforms you. So it's easy for me to say, okay, Kayla, we're going we're gonna to play basketball today. And I enjoy that because I love basketball. But when Kayla wants to tell me about the 12th book that she read in the last week, this is not an, an exaggeration, and I sit there, and, and, I, and I don't want to necessarily be there in this, from the standpoint of I don't like books. And I, and I don't like the books that she reads for sure. But when I sit there and I listen to her, and I, and I listen to her express herself and express her joy and express her wonder. The biggest thing that it does is it transforms me. The other thing that it does is it lets her know that this is how far I'm willing to go to let you know, my daughter, that I love you. And, and husbands, we have such a hard time with this because we feel like, and this was one of the things that I struggled with. I just, I just thought if I gave the gift, that was good because that was my love language. If I, just, if I give the gift, that's good enough. But then what I didn't realize was that my wife was actually looking for some quality time. My, my wife was looking for some uh, affection, some, some affirmation. 
And when I started to love her the way that she wanted to be loved, and it was hard, I'm not going to lie to you, that was hard because it was outside of my norm. But when I started to do that, God transformed my heart. And we were singing that earlier, that, that when we open up our mouths, when we shout, when we lift our voice and we sing, Jesus comes in the room because he inhabits the praises of his people and, and walls start fall, fall, falling down and miracles start breaking out. But it's because we take that act of faith. And so I want to encourage you, especially the men in the room, but also the women, that when we worship, when, when, we say, when, when you see people lifting their hands, I, I want to encourage you to, to lift your hands. I want to encourage you to sing in faith, believing that God is now here because you're doing that, that God is responding to your worship because he desires that. And the biggest hindrance I feel like in our walk, in our worship, isn't the devil, because we like to blame the devil, but I think a lot of it is these four things. It's our self-consciousness. It's our self-pride. It's our self-absorption. We're, we're so focused on what we're doing, whether, you know, the good things, we're, we're focused on making money, we're, we're focused on our, on our issues, on our problems, or it's our personal preference. Listen, Sunday morning, I tell the team this all the time. I tell the team because I, the worship team, they, they, Dada, I, I, will, I will get 200 less song requests over the next year because Dada's going back to Florida, I promise you. <laughs> Everyone has a request. Everyone has a preference, and I love that. I love that you have a preference, Okay. Sunday morning is not your personal jukebox. Sunday morning is not your, your Spotify playlist. That's not what it is, okay? A few years ago, I, I got this envelope in my mailbox. We were talking about giving, and, and it says, see the, the photo there? It says, to Pastor Jason only. Like, it's just for Pastor Jason. If you're not Pastor Jason, don't you dare open this envelope and, and on it, if you see on that envelope, it says ties and offerings, missions, faith, promise, building fund, benevolence. All of that's crossed out. So I'm thinking, oh man, this is just for me. I don't even got to report it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> this is just for me. To Pastor Jason. So I opened it up. I thought for a second, it's, it's kind of it's light, right? It's kind of light, but, but you know, maybe it was a check. It was a check. So I opened it up and it's, not any kind of currency. It's a note. And it says, Pastor Jason, you are doing a great job. Can we sing at least two or more upbeat songs on Sundays and Wednesdays? <laughs> I don't know who wrote this. I don't know. It's been a while, so I feel like I can share this now. Can I say, can I, say I love you for this, whoever wrote this? Because it's actually worth more to me than, than a check or any, any money. Uh, and, 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 I, and I love, hey, we, we, do, we, did, we did two songs today. We did two fast songs today. So count your blessings, count your blessings. Hear my heart as your worship pastor. I embrace the challenge of leading worship for a church that's so diverse. Young and old, people of different um, ethnicities, people from different faith backgrounds even. And the worship team, we're just as, as diverse. I, I appreciate it. I love it. I, when I get song requests, and I welcome, I do welcome song requests. I won't be able to get to any, all of them, that's true. What I do with the song request, by the way, is, is not, oh, I like this person, so I'm going to do this song, or I like that song. No, it's, is, is, this, is God speaking through this person, right? I never want to feel like it's just me. I believe that God can speak to you, to us. I believe that God can speak to you, to Pastor Joey, to Pastor Izzy, to, Pastor, to the leaders, um, the people on staff, but 
what I want us to do, what I, what I want for us is that if we don't like the song, if we don't understand the words, if it's not our style, if it's not our preference, that we worship anyways. What do you do when you don't know the words? What do you do when the words aren't on the screen? With the media team, you guys do a great job. What do you do when the words aren't on the screen? What do you do when the band's not as good as they normally are, which that happens? You worship anyways because he's still, he's still worthy. Listen, when I, when I first started going to the Spanish services, I didn't know what they were singing, but I didn't need to sing with them to clap with them. I didn't need to sing with them or understand what they were saying to lift my hands or, or to bow or to rejoice. And then as I started going more and more and more, all of a sudden I started singing in Spanish. And all of a sudden it's like, tu eres digno, tu eres santo. Fuego, 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 Espíritu Santo. Gracias, Dios. Gracias, Señor. Gloria a Dios. All right. Don't encourage that. Don't encourage that. But here's, here's my point here. Here's my point, church. You, we will not always have ideal conditions when it comes to worship, when you come to church. Uh, I always laugh because there's a song by the Commodores called Easy Like a Sunday Morning. Okay, you know that, but you didn't know the song we were singing earlier. Okay, that's, that, that's, that's interesting. Oh, just Billy, take notes. Okay, um, here's the thing. If you have kids, there's nothing easy about a Sunday morning. You come in, you're mad already because your kids are, are late or your husband's late or your wife is late or whatever the case may be and you're late to serve. You will not always have ideal conditions. And so what do we do, though, when when we don't feel like lifting our hands? What do we do when, when we're not feeling the music? Should, should we fake it? This is what I get a lot. Do we, should we fake it? No, 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 it's not fake. It's faith. It's faith. It's, it's, I don't feel it right now, God, but I'm going to lift my hands because I believe that you're worthy and I'm going to lift my hands because I believe that you're deserving and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to sing and I'm going to shout and I'm going to dance and I'm going to clap because I believe that this is what you want from me and that as I do this, even though I don't feel it, at some point I am going to feel, but if, even if I don't feel, I, I won't ever, I don't ever want to um, mistake God's silence for his absence. I don't ever want to mistake his silence for his absence because he's always here. Now, I do want to just give a little, little side note here because we are called to be expressive, but we're not called to be disruptive. And so there are kind of, I guess, house rules from one church to another. In some churches, you know, dancing might be acceptable. In some churches, you know, this might be okay and that might not be okay. I'm not going to go to a Catholic mass if I get invited, which I actually am going to one, not because I'm converting, but just doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not going to go there and just start clapping. I'm not, because I don't want to draw attention to myself. Okay, so understand that there are, there are house rules. We are not a BYOT church. If you don't know what BYOT means, it means bring your own tambourine. We're not one of those churches. We're not one of the, Angelique, sorry, you got to keep it at home. Some of you guys got that CCL, you got the concealed carry in your tambourine, you got to pull it out of your ankle. No, 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 leave it at home. We're not, we're not one of those churches, Okay. Uh, a few years ago, actually more than a few years ago, I was with my friend and he was putting together a, a worship event. I, I want to say it was like 12 hours, maybe 24 hours. And, and when you want to put together a 12 hour or 24 hour live worship event, you need a lot of different bands to fill in that time. And so you may not necessarily know everyone that's coming in. It's kind of word of mouth. It's like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And so there was this group that came in. I remember they were from, I think, Rochester, New York. And they came in and they were they were weird. Sometimes as Christians, we can be weird. I, I knew they were weird because they, they brought an arch 
to, to the set or to the, to the sanctuary. And when it was their time to, to lead worship, they set it up and then they took my friend who was leading the event and they, they did this weird thing. I don't know where they got it from, but they walked around like, I don't know, four, five, six, seven times around the sanctuary. And then they, they went through the arch. And when they were done, my, my friend, he leaned over and he's like, he's like, what just happened? And, and I said, I think you just married that person. Like, I, I think, I think you gotta, I think you need to confess something to your, to your wife now. So there are, there, there are some, house rules, like I said, where, where if you are being disruptive, we might, as pastors, we might lovingly and gently encourage you. But for the most part, I, I actually don't think we have that problem. I think for the most part, it's sometimes we're not as expressive as we probably could be. And the reason why, the reason why, and I've said this before, but the reason why that, that we express ourselves this way is because he desires and because most of all, it's because he's worthy. And Revelation chapter 4, 11 says, and I could have picked so many verses that talk about the worth and the majesty and the greatness and the holiness of God. But just this one here in Revelation 4, 11 says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So your main reason, your main why shouldn't be anything other than Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. He is forever worthy. And that's not to say that you can't be emotional in worship. You know, if God blessed you recently and, and, and you, you really want to celebrate, celebrate because of that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want my worship to be based on the sands of emotion. Because it changes from one minute to the next. I want my worship to be based on obedience. I want my worship to be based on the solid rock that is the truth that Jesus is worthy because obedience will open doors that emotions cannot. Look at this. When Jesus took the cross, his emotions, he was, he was sweating blood. He was sorrowful to the point of death. And his emotions led him to say, take the cup from me. Father, I don't want to do this. But his obedience said, not my will, but yours be done. So we can be emotional in our corporate worship. I'm all for that. But the basis of our worship is not emotional, it's biblical. And then just to finish off the story here, Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 20 in the NLT. When David returned home to bless his family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. First Chronicles 15 said that when Michael saw him, she despised him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. This is sarcasm, by the way, if you don't know. How distinguished, she probably did one of those, right? How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Why was she so upset? There's this misnomer that, that David was naked and he wasn't. If you remember earlier, it says that he was wearing the Levitical linen and then he also had an ephod, which is what priests wore. So, one of the reasons, one of the very probable reasons that, that Michael was so upset was because Michael grew up as the daughter of a king. She grew up as royalty. And so when she saw David remove or, or not wearing the royal garments, but instead wearing other garments, in her mind, she's thinking, this is unbecoming. This is, this is not fit for a king. Now here's... Here was David's response. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 22. And worship team, you can come up. 
David said, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. You know what David realized, I believe, in this moment? I believe David realized that you can be the boss at work. You can be the person that, that you give the orders and people submit to you. You can be head over your household. You can be king over your castle. You can be the one in charge. You can be the big boss. But when it comes to the presence of God, when you enter the presence of God, there's only one person on the throne and it's not you. It's not me. And there's only one who's deserving of this worship. I love what David said here because... What he's saying is that he's telling his wife, man, you saw how I worship right here? There's another level. There's another level. When God reveals his glory and his majesty, when I understand more deeply his love for me, there is another level of my worship that I want to attain. And this is my heart for you, church. This is my heart for us. This is my heart as your worship pastor. I love our expression. Hear me out. I'm not complaining. I love our expression of worship. There are so many times, even Pastor Izzy and Pastor Ariel, when they first came here, one of the first things they said to me was, you guys know how to worship. They weren't talking about the band. They're talking about you. This church knows how to worship. And, and we see that. We, we hear that a lot as leaders. And we go to other places and, and we see maybe levels of worship that aren't as expressive. And so I, I love our expression here. But I don't want to settle. I don't want to stay here. And so how is it that our outward expression grows? I believe that it's, that it's tied to, our outward expression is tied to inward revelation. In the Gospels, there's three stories in Matthew, Mark, and John of Mary of Bethany, and most of you know the story, where she comes in to the house of a Pharisee. She comes into to the house of Simon, and, and she sees Jesus, and she begins to, to, just, to just bow at his feet and pour out this expensive oil on his feet and wipe his feet with her hair. And in those in those gospels, it says that there were religious leaders, there were Pharisees there, there, there were the disciples were there. And they all kind of questioned, why this? And for myself, sometimes I worry that that I came into Christianity understanding that I've been forgiven such a great debt. And I worship that way, but then as I've gotten older, maybe more mature, maybe more dignified, I lost some of that. And I became someone on the outside saying, why? And I don't ever want us to be that. I want us to be a church that was always at the feet of Jesus. In your home, but here, here. And I dare to dream and wonder that if we all came in and we all gave, as the Bible says, if we all worship with all of our might, I dare to believe that, that a breakthrough that we've never seen before would come in this room. That we would see God move in ways we've never seen him move before because we were open and because we, we let go of our self-consciousness. Because we said, you're worthy, God. 
chapter 7, there's a similar story. A lot of scholars believe it's not the same woman in Luke chapter 7. But a woman comes in, sees Jesus, kind of does the same thing, and they say, why? And Jesus says this in Luke chapter 7, verse 47. She says, he says this, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. I don't think Jesus was saying that some people have been forgiven more than others. I think he's saying that some people just realize it. Some people just get it. And for a lot of us in this room, especially if you've, if you've been in church, you've been in the faith for a long time, we, we tend to think, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing all right. And you forget the debt that's been paid. And I want to show you a photo of Kayla I took of my daughter last Thursday. Just in worship, I, I caught her at the front, kneeling. And I took this photo and I was looking over it and I just, I thought, man, Kales, don't lose that. God, please don't let her lose that. That she was unashamed. And, and a lot of you guys know our story. My daughter has so many reasons to not worship. My daughter has so many reasons to not be there. My daughter has so many reasons to not give everything that she has to give, but there she was giving what she had. And, and I want to say this too, because I think there are times in life when it's really, really hard. And, and maybe there are times where you can't do this, but, but you can do this. And I, and I say to you guys, like, then do this. There are times, and if you, anyone out here, you, you work out, you lift, you know that it's, it's not always in the times when, when you're feeling pumped up and ready to hit the gym that there's growth. It's in the times, a lot of times, when you really don't feel like going and someone's on the machine you want to use and so you're already in a bad mood and you can't lift what you normally can lift, but you do it anyways. And it's not your personal best, but you do it anyways and there's growth. That's how it works. So what I want for you, what I want for me, what I want for us as a body is that when we worship, that, that we just give all that we have, whatever that may be, in any given day. When you walked in, you grabbed one of these communion elements. If you don't have in ushers, I don't know if you're able to hand them out. If, if you need one, you can raise your hand. Communion is a time to reflect to remember the sacrifice, to remember that our salvation is free, but it came at a cost. And so I want us to just take 30 seconds here to think about how much we've been forgiven. And then we'll take the elements and then we'll reflect a little bit longer and then we're gonna worship together.
And to that, God, reveal your love. The height, the depth, the width, the length, the surpassing love of Jesus. That he died on the cross for the salvation of the world. Would you take and eat? and singing and shouting and dancing and clapping and music and loudness. But I also mentioned really briefly, the Bible says, be still and know. I think, especially in the busyness of this season, we don't know how to be still. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to end. The worship team is going to lead us in a couple portions of a song. And I want you to just remain seated I want you to listen. I want you to reflect. I want you to be still before the Lord. And then we're going to stand and sing. And we're going to sing together. We're going to worship. And when we worship, I'm going to, I want us to worship. I want you to worship. Whatever that looks like for you in terms of what that next level is, I, I want you to worship. I want you to understand that you don't have to be ashamed. He wasn't ashamed when he stretched his arms out. He wasn't ashamed to do that for you. So as they sing, would you reflect on his love?